Wednesday, Chaf Vaviyar, and this is KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzay Torah, and this is Ezra Beck, and today's shir is the shir in Hilchot Brachot, Halacha Vagada, which I will be giving. Today's shir is dedicated L'Rufuash Lema Shel Chana Bina Bat Esther, Schut Torah Tarabim, Koshboch Hushetzenda, L'Rufuash Lema. Today's shiur, I'd like to discuss two different statements found in the Gemara in Barachot. Whether or not there's a connection between them is something we will have to decide and discuss in the course of today's shiur. The first one is found in Daf Hey Amudvet, the end of the Amud, the end of the page. Abba Tanya, Abba Binyamin Omer. It's actually a whole series of statements found Hey Amudvet, Bav Medalef from this Rav, who's called Abba Binyamin, all of them dealing with Tefillah. Abba Binyamin Omer, two people came into Shul, to Davin, one of them davened before, or finished before the other one, and he didn't wait for the other one to finish, the Yatzah, he left, he left leaving his friend alone in the Beit HaKnesset. So his tefillah, the one who left, his tefillah is ripped up in his face. That's the expression the Gemara uses. In other words, God or the Malachim or, or whoever is in charge of delivering his tefillah before the throne of God, rips up his tefillah to bits in his face. And not only that, not only is his tefillah thrown into the garbage, he is the cause of the holy presence of God to leave, to leave Israel. Okay. If someone leaves Shul, leaving his friend in Shul, so he's a very bad person. Two results. One, his tefillah, that he has very completed, is rejected. And secondly, he is the cause for Shekhinah leaving Israel. Remember that the expression, Shekhinah, Shemistaleket, Mi Yisrael, is the expression that's used by Chazal to describe Galut. When the temple was destroyed and the Jews were sent into exile, as HaShekhinah Yistalkam Yisrael, the Holy Presence of God went into exile and left its natural residence, which is Israel. It's a very, very extreme and strong negative statement. Now, what's so terrible about leaving Shul before your friend finishes? We're not talking about a minion where you walked out and you ruined the minion. There were just two Jews here. So the truth is that many, many Bishonim explain this as being unusual circumstances based on the conditions of Shul's of Batei Tefillah in the ancient world. Tosvot, on the spot, beginning above Menalev says, Pirish Rabbeinu Tam, Rabbeinu Tam explained that this was in the ancient times where the shuls were not in the cities but were found out in the fields. And it's talking about nighttime, and therefore you should wait. In other words, there's simply a danger. The Gemara mentions in a few places this factor, Rabbeinu Tam didn't make it up, that the shuls were found outside of the community, and at night it was simply dangerous to be there alone. 
We're not talking about set all times. And to be alone outside of, outside of the city, outside in the field at night, was simply dangerous. So therefore, this Jew who was left early and left his friend there alone has in fact endangered him. Now we understand that that's a bad thing to do, but and we even understand on the basis of that why his tefillah is thrown out in his face. It's not merely an expression of, of, of criticism, but you, Davin, when it was safe, because your friend was with you. When you finished, you left, leaving him to be in danger. In other words, you've, you took care of yourself and your tefillah, and you left him to be by himself. So your tefillah is rejected as well. That, that makes sense. What I don't understand, according to this explanation, is why he causes the Shekhinah to leave Israel. To say about someone that he's the cause of Shekhinah leaving Israel is not the same as saying he did a bad thing. Obviously, you can claim that sin causes God to depart from within Israel. But then you said about every sin. Masechet Brachot has many, many cases, and the Shas has even hundreds of cases of someone who has behaved improperly. About none of them does it say that individual act causes Shekhinah to leave Israel. It's a very specific, and as I mentioned before, I think an extreme statement of criticism. And because someone has been mean, he's endangered his fellow, it's a terrible thing, but so he, he should be punished. Why is all of Israel punished? Why does this cause the Shekhinah to depart from within Israel? This understanding of Abenu Tam, that the transgression here is one of endangering one's fellow, is shared by many Rishonim, including the Rif, for instance, who quotes Rabbanan, probably means the Gaonim, as saying that it's talking about Tfilat Arvit, Abenu Tam said night time, it's the same idea. It's talking about at night, he says Tfilat Arvit, we fear that if you leave someone alone, you are endangering his life. And that's why you have to wait, one should wait for one's friend to finish, to finish the tefillah. Rabbeinu Yonah, and his commentary on the riff, uh, improves or, or sharpens explanation here, and I think makes it a little bit, a little bit more understandable in context. He says the sin is not so much that you endangered him, but it's psychological. Rabbeinu says the following. His tefillah is ripped up in his face. Why is his tefillah thrown out? So that, that I said bothered me less. Uh, he did a bad thing as you davened. But even so, the truth is, Rabbeinu is right. He should be punished. But what happened? He davened. What's wrong with his tefillah? So he says, midah keneged midah. Measure for measure. Because he ruined the tefillah. He ripped up. He destroyed the tefillah of his fellow. Because when he left him alone, he was not able to daven. In other words, it's not so much that the danger is real. The danger is real. But how great is it? It's not that people were, every time someone was left alone in the fields, he was killed. But someone who was alone in a dark place, remember there's no electricity, you're all by yourself, outside in the fields, in the middle of the night, it's difficult to daven. Because there is some danger. There is a feeling of danger. Psychological apprehension of danger. And by walking out, you've messed up, you've torn to bits the tefillah of your fellow. And therefore, measure for measure, your tefillah is also, is also thrown out. One ramification of Rabbeinu attitude is that he concludes that if the second person began to daven or entered the shul 
at a point where it was clear that he would finish way after the first person, then you don't have to wait for him because since he knew that he was starting after you and you would finish before him, apparently it doesn't bother him. He knows he's going to be alone. Therefore, you don't have to say. In other words, if it was really dangerous, it wouldn't make a difference. The fact that he was being foolish and diving in a manner which would endanger his life. But since it's a psychological problem, if he's confident, it doesn't bother him, then there's no problem. You're not upsetting his tefillah. He knows when he began that he'd be davening alone, and he's davening as well as he can. He takes it upon himself. Either either he's waived his right to have someone stay with him, or in fact there's no problem because apparently he has, he has the confidence to do so. And yet, it still bothers me a little bit second part of the statement. Not only is your tefillah thrown out, which Rabbi Yonah explains beautifully as being measure for measure, but also you cause the Shekhinah to leave Israel. Why are you causing the Shekhinah to leave Israel? Because you, you in some way upset the psychological security and concentration of another person with Davin. For instance, there are other halachot that deal with the need to help other people daven. You're not supposed to stand within four amot of someone who's davening because your presence there will will, will affect his kabana, his concentration. You don't see there that the same statement, you're causing Shekhinah to leave Israel. So I, I think Rabbi Yonah would say that, that, that's really, that, that is the point. It's not merely a sin. You're causing a sin of ruining a Jew's tefillah. Shekhinah in Israel, the divine presence in Israel, is in fact based on tefillah. When a Jew davens, he's in communication with God. And the communication is not by email. It's not uh, by radio. It's, it's immediate. It's, it's close. One stands in the presence of God. So that tefillah is the, presence, is, is the cause of the presence of God in Israel. And if you've ruined the Jew's tefillah, you are, you are distancing God from Israel. But nonetheless, it still bothers me. Because again, we don't find the same statement over and over again about all the halachot. And there are many halachot like this in Berchot, which... Uh, are based on the need to have kavanah and to help other people have kavanah and to ensure that other people have kavanah. We find it only here. There's another statement of Abba Binyamin, of the same, uh, the same Chacham, the same Rav. It's found on the next Amud. The fact that two statements by the same author come one after the other, or fairly close to another, doesn't mean that they're talking about the same thing. On the contrary, you might claim that it's brought here because the Gemara has a habit of quoting all the statements of the same person together. But, nonetheless, it's sort of... I have this little bit of a nudge in my in my heart that if we find a second statement by Abba Binyamin so close after this first one, maybe there's some connection. And Vavim, in Vav Aleph, we have a little bit later, we have the following statement, Tanya, Abba, Binyamin, Omer. Ein tefillah shel adam nishma'at ela bebeit haknesset. Tefillah is only heard. Again, c- catch the, the extremeness of this statement. He doesn't say it's good to daven in a Beit Knesset. Tefillah is only heard if it's done in Beit Knesset. Shenemar lishma'a el harina vi el ha-tefillah. Literally, the Pasuk means that God hears the song and the prayer. In the place where there is rina, literally song, there should there be should there be tefillah. Now this statement of Abba Binyamin, 
Let's first discuss it independently of the previous statement. It's a very, very important halachic statement. He's saying one should dive in a Beitach Knesset. Almost all commentators understand this to mean not because there is a minyan. Ben Yonah on the spot and it's quoted halacha in the Shulchan Aruch says that it's better to dive in B'yichidut by yourself in Beitach Knesset than by yourself at home. In fact, there's a discussion in the poskim as to whether it's better to dive in by yourself in a Beitach Knesset or outside the Beitach Knesset in a minyan. Sometimes you might have a situation where there is a minyan, but it's, it's not in a Beit HaKnesset. It's, it's, uh, it's ad hoc. A few Jews got together to daven in a house. And there are poskim who believe that this statement of Abba Binyamin implies Ain't filan nishmat el Beit HaKnesset. One who davens outside Beit HaKnesset, even in a minyan, is basically davening without a guarantee of being heard. It's better to daven by yourself in the place, which is called the Beit HaKnesset, a place that's dedicated rather than to daven even in a minion. It's a controversial statement, but in any event, even those who say that that's not true, but they still agree that it's better to daven than at home, without connection to whether there's a minion there or not. This is the statement of Abba Minyamin, quoted al-Halacha. If, for instance, if, if you've missed minyan and now you have to daven, you should go to shul. The shul is open. I mean, nowadays they lock shuls. It's the opposite of what we described before. And before and the shuls were outside the city, they were open to anyone could daven, but it was dangerous. Today the shuls are in the city, but they're kept locked. But let's say you can get to shul when there's no one, even though there's no minion there, it's better to daven in the Heichal, in the Beit HaKnesset, than daven any place else. Why? So listen to the Pasuk. Lishmoa el harina ve'el ha'tfila. I want to understand why it's good to daven in shul. But I especially want to understand how does the pasuk imply it? Why is the Beit Knesset makom sheyeshvina? After all, we think the Beit Knesset is a makom, a place where there is tefillah, as lishmor ela tefillah. But no, no, lishmor ela tefillah means whatever you daven. Lishmor ela rina the ela tefillah. Beit Knesset is primarily a place where there is rina, and again, rina literally means song. First of all, why is Beit Knesset a place where there is song? Secondly, what's the logic? Makom sheyeshvina, the place of song, that is the place of tefillah. I think the explanation of this uh, statement of Abba Binyamin is based is 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 understood to us by a Ramban found in the commentary to the Torah in the end of Sefer of, of Parshat Bo. The Ramban there has a statement, very typical of the Ramban. He says the reason for creation and God's desire in for man is that a man should recognize, acknowledge, and understand. That God is the creator, and he should say, you are my creator. I'm not going to go into the whole explanation of what I think the Ramban means. Just a statement of the Ramban. The Ramban says, all mitzvot, in fact, all creation, is based on that God wants human beings. He wants his servants to recognize, not to believe, but to recognize, to acknowledge and to recognize that they are created by God. And then the Ramban adds, and that is the reason why Chazal state that we should daven berabim, we should daven with other people, we should daven in a tzibu, in a minion, and that we raise our voices out loud. What does the Ramban mean? The Ramban is saying is that aside from what you do, you're a good person. You do mitzvot. Among other mitzvot, you daven. The man is saying the purpose of all mitzvot, and especially perhaps tefillah, 
is not merely to speak to God, but to acknowledge, lehodot. Lehodot means to acknowledge. Anyone who knows Hebrew knows that lehodot also means to confess. And the word confess is used in non-Jewish sources in its medieval sense, not merely what a, a, a culprit does when he's hauled in by the police and he admits to his crime. Confession is a confession of the faith. It's the same word. It's translated from the Hebrew. A, a, a lehodot is to make a statement, a public statement, that God is our creator. And the idea being that the world should recognize its relationship with God. And therefore it's not enough to do it in your heart, but for that reason the man says that's why we have shuls in general. Why do you dive in together? Because a public statement is a far deeper acknowledgement and confession of God's relationship with us than a private statement in your heart. And the man says you should dive in out loud. You should dive in out loud because it's a public statement and it resounds in the world that the world sings the glory of God, that the world recognizes that God is the Creator. So, of course, that explains our masses explicitly. That's why one should dive in, in a minion. But I think that's the meaning of this statement as well. What is special about a Beit Knesset, even an empty Beit Knesset, as opposed to a house, and according to some commentators and postkim, even a house that has a minion? The Beit Knesset is a place dedicated to to the public acknowledgement of God's relationship with man. In other words, the Beit Knesset itself, apparently, even when it's empty, testifies that God is the creator of the world. But makom sheyesh rina, the word rina here doesn't actually mean song. What it means is out loud tefillah. When you sing, you raise your voice. So rina is speaking to God. Tefillah might mean deep within inside me. Tefillah really could be tefillah shebelev. It really could be from the soul. Ezuhi avodah shebelev. Zoe tefillah. What is the service of God that is in one's heart? The Sefri says, this is tefillah. The word tefillah comes from a word meaning to, to turn over. Vayifalel pinchas. To, 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 to turn something over and, 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 and understand it and get into it. And tefillah is the churning out of the emotions from within one's heart. Makom she'yesh rina. Rina is when we sing together. Rina would be like halel. Something that when all the, all the whole congregation Declaring together. The place which is dedicated for Rina, that's where the single private Jew pouring out the recesses and the recesses of his heart, pouring out his soul to God. Totally private. Totally individual. But it should be in a place where there is Rina. In other words, there are two kinds of prayer that this Ma'amar is speaking about. Called Tefillah and Rina. I think Rina is what the Ramban is speaking of. The public acknowledgement that God is our creator and we are his creatures. And Tefillah is the inner recesses of your soul. Your worries. Your apprehensions. Your desires. To whisper into he who listens. Shomea Tefillah Kol Peh. He who hears the tefillah of every mouth. But Rabbi Binyamin said you should put the two of these two things together. 
a totally egotistical, narcissistical tefillah, I have a problem, let God solve it for me, is not nishmat, it's not heard by God. You're speaking, but how do you know God's listening? From where do you have the chutzpah? From where do you have the the, the, the goal to imagine that God is listening to everything, everything that you have to say? But the place which is dedicated to stating that God is the creation, is the creator of all. And as Rabban said, that's what God wants from the world. So there God's ear will hear also your tefillah. That's the second statement of Abba Binyamin. A Beit Knesset, this building, it's just four walls. But it's four walls whose whole purpose is to declare the glory of God, the creator of everything. That's, that's the meaning of a Beit Knesset. That's the place where a Jew should come by himself to pour out his soul to God. It might be nicer, or perhaps you have a better feeling if you do it on a mountaintop, or by the waterfall in the recesses of the forest, or in the fields with the pretty flowers, or perhaps in the, the basement of your home, facing the wall. Psychologically, it might be a better place, but it's not enough that you psychologically want to speak. You also have to have the ear of God. And the guarantee that God is listening is the Beit Knesset. Why? Because it's Makom Rina. Now, I suspect there's a connection between these two statements. The first one says that if you leave someone alone in the Beit Knesset, by himself, your tefillah is ripped up and the Shekhinah leaves Israel. The second statement says Tefillah should be done in the Beta Knesset, which is a Makom Mina. I think, I suspect, the two statements are connected. And it's not merely that you've messed up this Jews in Tefillah by leaving him alone, giving him the, the shakes. He begins to imagine the enemy lurking behind, and if we can't have it. So that's a bad thing. Bein Adam l'chaberu. You've sinned to him. You, you, you've heard him. Just like you took his money. You, you've taken away his tefillah. But why does this cause the Shekhinah to leave Israel? So I would like to suggest the following. The connection, as we said before, the connection between God and Israel is in the Beit HaKnesset, is in tefillah. But not just in tefillah, it's in the Beit HaKnesset. Because what Ramban is really saying is, why is it important that people should acknowledge that God is, is the Creator? Ramban believes that when people acknowledge that God is the creator of the world, they in fact cement the relationship between God and the world. Because God's desire is that God desires that He should dwell in our midst. The archetype of all Beit Knesset is the Mishkan. God dwells in our midst when we make this house. This Mishkan, this Mikdash, this Beit Knesset, which is a Mikdash Ma'at, a little Beit, 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 Beit Mikdash. That's where God, so to speak, dwells. That's where there is Shechina, Veshachanti Betocham, and I should dwell in their midst. Shechina means the dwelling, the indwelling of God. We call it the Holy Presence. Why is a Beit Knesset the dwelling of God? So Abba Ben Yaman explained, because it's Makom Mina, it's the place where human beings, where human souls make this statement of the Ramban, you are our creator. God created us whether we acknowledge it or not, but if we don't acknowledge it, then we don't, it's a fact that becomes divorced. That God dwells in our hearts 
if we make room for him, if we say, yes, that's what we are. You are our creator and we are created by you. And that's the, our relationship. If that's our relationship, then relationship really exists psychologically, metaphysically, spiritually. And God is there. If you walk out of a Beit Knesset, you finish davening. This Jew remains in the Beit Knesset. I think the first step Nabi Yaman is saying is not merely that you're interfering with his kavanah. But you're also ignoring the fact that as long as he davens, God is there. So when you walk out of the Beit HaKnesset, leaving him alone, you're walking out on God. You're saying, God is not, I finished davening, so my meeting with God is over. God departs, I depart. He goes home, I go home. And this Jew remains there alone. His God is not my God. The God to, he, to whom he is speaking has, has no connection to me. And that's why I think Rabbi Minyamin said because even though you davened you're not leaving a connection to God. It's not enough to say God created me once a day. You should really be saying it all the time because we don't say it all the time. You say it when you daven but it, it's a truism which you acknowledge all the time in one way or another. In fact, Rabbi has a whole long list of ways in which we acknowledge this but the, the explicit way is by davening. But if you walk out of shul leaving him to speak to God on his own then you're saying, apparently the Shekhinah has left. I, I can leave because the Shekhinah has left. And if you think the Shekhinah has left, then in fact you are pushing the Shekhinah away because the Shekhinah is found here when we say, you are our creator. And if we think that we finish saying that it's all over, then it really is all over. So one, you're interfering with his tefillah, as the Rishonim explained. And two, you're really interfering with your own tefillah. You're making your own tefillah worthless. We rip up your tefillah in your face. Because you said it for five minutes, but you don't believe it, and the five minutes that it's over. And two, if you haven't davened, and he hasn't davened, and this Beit Knesset becomes an empty an empty shell, people can't daven there. You don't think that one should spend more time there than is the minimum necessary. Even though God is still there listening to his tefillah. You've walked out on God. Then the Beit Knesset is no longer makom gina. And Veshachanti Betocham has been has been ruined. You've not only hurt, injured your fellow man's tefillah, you've injured the Asuli Mikdash. You've undermined the nature of the Beit Knesset, which was a Makom Rina, meaning a place of public meeting with God, not merely a place of tefillah where the individual can speak to God, but a place where God is found because he's acknowledged publicly. You're saying, no, I daven, he davens, I daven for myself, he davens for himself. If you undermine the nature of the public meaning of man with God, you also undermine God's presence in the world. And so, if we take these two statements together, we have the following understanding of what a Beit Knesset is. A Beit Knesset is not merely a comfortable environment in which to daven. It's not merely a place where there's an Aron HaKodesh, you can find a Sefer Torah. It's not merely a place where someone has bothered to make sure there are a lot of Sidurim, in case you don't have one in your house. It's not only a place where there'll be nine other Jews on the timetable, and if you can daven with a minion, which has value in and of itself, which we haven't mentioned today. What's the value of davening with Sibur? Neither one of these statements talks about davening with Sibur. In the first one explicitly, there are only two Jews in the show. And the second one, he says, you should have it in shul. doesn't mention anybody else there. But a Beit Knesset is a place 
which is a permanent testimony of what tefillah is an explicit testimony. Tefillah is a testimony that we are creatures and God is our creator. That testimony becomes the fulfillment of the closeness of the presence of God. The Beit Knesset is a physical expression, a permanent, so to speak, a monument to the fact that Jews come there and daven. And therefore, one should daven there and not elsewhere. And two, when someone is davening, there is an attraction for me to remain at his side. And in fact, the Tosfot that I quoted before, Rabbeinu Tam said that it's only about the danger at night. But the Ri, Rabbeinu Tam's nephew, wasn't so convinced. The Ri, on a regular basis, would lengthen and delay his tefillah, not because he had a lot of kavanah, not because he naturally davened slowly, but he kept davening until every other Jew had left. The Ri was the last Jew to leave the shul. And in fact, explicitly against what Rabbi Yonah said, if while he was davening, someone came in, he came in after the Ri was already well into his tefillah. So, he couldn't stretch out his tefillah. Hayama ayayin b'sefer, he would take a sefer and learn for a while. Until everyone else had finished, and the Tosfot concludes, af anu. It's appropriate, it's, it's, it's beautiful. If all of us would have this chumrah, to wait, and we should all leave shul together. But not leave so long as someone is davening. You walk out, you're walking out not on him. I think this is the explanation. You're not just merely walking out on him. But you're walking out on the Shekhinah. And to walk out on the Shekhinah, one is a little bit. You walk out on the Shekhinah, so the Shekhinah also walks out on us. And now, for the Halakha Yomit. We started talking yesterday about the Kedusha. The Ramah, the Psaq in the Shulchan Aruch, says, adds the following things about, about Kedusha. V'yesh lisah ha'inayim lamarom b'sha'ah sh'omrim Kedusha. First thing the Ramah says, one should. He doesn't say one has to. He says, V'yesh, it's a good thing. You should, one should raise one eyes towards the sky when saying Kedusha. V'chein, number, a second minag halacha of saying Tusha, mina'anim gufan, one shakes one's body, v'nosinoto, you raise it, mina'aretz, one should raise one's body off the ground. Three, ene daber b'emtza Tusha, one should not talk during Tusha. And finally, misha amar kvar Tusha, ubad beit haknesset, umatzat sibur, if you have said Kedushah, but you walk into Shul, second minion, you hear them saying Kedushah, you should answer Kedushah with them. Okay, the first halacha here is to raise one eyes one saying Kedushah. This is quoted by the Torah, it's based on a Midrash. A uh, Midrash states that while saying Kedushah, Kedushah faces Am Yisrael, faces the Kedushah, and he says, Tell the Jews when they say Kadosh, 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 Su Enechem Narakia Keneged Beit Filatchem. Mishash Atem Omrim Lefanai Kadosh. Sheini Hanaab Olami Botosh Ash Enechem Sotlainai Veinai 
מביטות בעיניכם, בשעה שאתם אומרים לפניי קדוש. שהכל היוצא מפיכם באותו שעה, סודר ועולה לפניי קרח ניחוח. It's a very, very beautiful statement. God says, look up to the sky, to the source of your tefillah, when you say kadosh, 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 because God says, I have no greater enjoyment in my world, pleasure for my world, than the hour when your eyes are to my eyes, and my eyes look at your eyes, and you are saying kadosh, 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 for your voice comes out of your mouth, And it is arranged and arises before me like reyach nichoach, like the scent of the altar. Okay, based on this midrash, the Torah says, and the Ramah Paskins, one should look up. It's important to realize the explicit statement here. There's a halacha that when you daven, your eye should be looking down. Shemur Esrei, one looks down. But Kedusha, he says, one, one, one looks up. I, I, if I could just take a minute to say what I think the reason is, is because tefillah, you're asking something of God. Tefillah, the explicit posture of tefillah, as the Gemara states on Daflamit Bet, is an eved, a slave, a servant, who's requesting something of his master. So he casts his eyes down, modesty, in, in, in abashment, and asks the master to give him something which he doesn't deserve. Kedushah is really the opposite. In Kedusha, we are sanctifying God. We are causing God's name to be sanctified. So to speak, we're, we're granting God something. And at that point, you're not the equal of God, but our eyes meet. The, the, the model of Kedusha is the, the angels. The first two psukim of Tusha are learned from visions of Yeshayahu and Yecheskel. It's what the angels, the heavenly hosts, say in the kingdom of God. So at that point, you should be looking right up at God because you're speaking. You're not asking something from Him. You're, you're, you're singing to Him. And the Tusha of God and the Tusha of Israel are being merged at that, at that, at that point. That's the first halacha that the, uh, that the, that the brings down here. Second halacha, he says, you shake your bodies and raise them up into the air. This is based on a different medrash. And it's a tanchuma. The pasuk says about the angels, the very same angels who say kedusha. It's the pasuk in Yecheskel that they have six wings. Two of the wings of the angels are used in order to fly. The Psikta says, the Tanchuma, excuse me, says, Mikan tiknu chachamim lo'uf adam araglo b'sha'a shomer shliach tzibur kadosh kadosh kadosh. When you say kadosh kadosh kadosh, chachamim said, it's not in the Gemara, it's a medrash, but chachamim said that a person should fly on his feet. The angels have two wings which they use to fly. When you say kadosh, you're like an angel. Again, Tushar has learned from the angels. So one who says kadosh should actually feel like an angel, he should fly up. The Tanchuma says when one says Kadosh, 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 the Minag is to do it when one says Kadosh, 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 but it was extended also to the other two Psukim, to Baruch Shem, Baruch Kvod Hashem in Komo, and also, and also Yimloch. Although again, the Medrash speaks specifically of Kadosh, 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 apparently that means the beginning of Kedusha, but uh, it's normally done to the other two Psukim as well. I think most people do it three times, on Kadosh, on Kadosh, and on Kadosh, and also on Baruch, and also on 
and also on Yimloch. So again, both of these statements of the Ramah are telling us what Kedusha is. Kedusha is you're an angel. It's the opposite of Tefillah. Shemoneshe, you are an abject slave. In Kedusha, you're an angel. You're, you're part of the heavenly host which surrounds, which surrounds God. The other two alachot, Ein Ledabeb Emtza Kedusha, it's a sort of talk during Kedusha, which you might think that it's not already Shemoneshe, there's no hefsek, it's improper to speak. You're, you're singing the praises of God. You have nothing else to talk about. And two, he says, if you come in, it's not merely a chovat daven, and Kedusha is part of davening. Anyone who walks in and hears Kedusha should join. Again, it's the same reason. It's not a, a bracha in, in, in Shemoneshe. If you walk in the middle of Shemoneshe, you don't say Shemoneshe again. But Kedusha is the Kadesh Hashem. It's, it's the sanctification of God. It's inconceivable that the Tzibur would be engaged in this and you would do something else. If one walks into shul and hears Kedusha, one says it again. Anyone who's davened by the Kotel or in a similar situation, you can hear Kedusha over and over again and it becomes at times a, 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 a problem. So the post can discuss whether or not one can somehow get out of this obligation that the Ramah is mentioning of us. In certain situations, you'll be saying Kedusha for hours on end. But nonetheless, the in terms of its, it itself, is, 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 is paskin by the Ramah. If you happen to hear an extra tushah, so one stops what one's doing, and one joins the tzibur, the opportunity to sanctify God's name in public should not be, should not be ignored. That's it for today. You've been listening to the shir on Hilchot Barachot Halacha Agada and the daily Halacha Yomit, and you've been listening to KMTT the Torah podcast of Yeshivat HaRetzion. This is Ezra Beck wishing you Kol Tov B'Bakat HaTorah Mitzion U'Meyetzion. We'll be back tomorrow with the Shior in Parshat HaShavua for Parshat Vamidbar.